Greetings, film fans. We're raining on our non-parade today. Oh, I get it. It's because there was supposed to be a parade today. But it's really cruddy out anyway. So we have, we're have we very excited because we have a special guest who's an actual filmmaker. Yay. And he sees films, too. So he yes. has an opinion. Very strong opinion. Yes. Welcome, Frankie Campoletta. Thank you so much for having me. I Frankie. enjoy your show so much, just so you guys know. I've oh. been listening. So it's oh, awesome. thank you. Uh, he's at Shift Films. You can find him at shiftfilms.net. Correct. And he's a filmmaker. And due to the coronavirus, his film has been push back. And we're going to talk about his film, but we're going to talk about when it is and everything, and we're going to get into it. We'll talk to our guest, Frankie Campbelletta, coming up next, and we'll talk about The Hunt next. Around minute 15, we'll talk about The Way Back. Around minute 25, movies we didn't see. Around minute 29, Hope Gap. Around minute 42, Greed. Around minute 51, Burden. Around one hour and five minutes, The Banker. Around one hour and 12 minutes, Extraordinary. And then around one hour and 18 minutes we'll talk about lemp's last right we're gonna start with the new releases well see lynn wants to talk about the way back which was last week but we're gonna go back to a film that was supposed to be released in september so let's go back september 27th i think right uh september 27th that is exactly correct and the president tweeted about it and Then there were two shootings, and so Universal Pictures said, you know what, let's push this back to right when there's a pandemic. (laughs) I don't think that was a new... We're talking about The Hunt. The Hunt, um, it starts off like Scream. It does. It does start off like Scream. You don't know what's happening. You don't know who the star of the film is for a long time. It starts off with Emma Roberts. And you you think, oh, well, we're going to follow Emma Roberts for a long time. And then you don't see Emma Roberts for a while. Like Drew Barrymore. Well, it, it's just, well, I don't, I don't want to say it like that because that's spoilery. But it's not spoilery because you know what's going to happen in this movie. It's The Dangerous Game. It, they, this is another version of The Dangerous Game mm-hmm. that has been around. That's, it's now in the public domain. So they're actually making more versions of The D- Most Dangerous Game. Uh, in fact, there's a movie coming out this year called Most Dangerous Game, yeah. which is this, it's hunting humans. It's 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 hunting a specific class of humans. Well, see, that's why the president tweeted about this. Yeah. Uh, it's the liberal elites hunting the deplorables, which, if anyone sees this movie, both sides are attacked viciously, mm-hmm. but really, the deplorables are the ones, they're the heroes of this movie. Which is weird. It's an interesting flip of the script, um, but also just because of the the nature of, you know, gun rights. Yeah, and right. then having having liberals like with guns was just well. They also act like they don't know how to use them. exactly. And I think that was I think that was <laughs> wonderful actually because you got this very strange film happening. Hillary Swank is in it. Yes, and so but you don't see her for no. a long time. No, you like hear this... her talking, and then it's just. And then, then they do it eight months ago or a year ago, and, right. it, and then they then you finally see her face. Yeah, it's very it's very well done from that point of view. It's gore porn too. It is. It's it's a Blumhouse production. Okay. So yeah. so Jason is very, and it's also written by uh, Carlton Cruz's mm-hmm. son and Damon Lindelof from Lost, Lost. So, but also from Watchmen because yes. like. The dad's doing other projects, and his son is now working with his lost partner. It's and so they worked on Watchmen together, which our friend Max Foisy refuses to see on principle, which I understand. I he he respects the vision 
of the original and says, you know what, I'm fine with my 12 series comic books, which as you you won't see bloodshot for that same reason yeah and i kind of agree with max on that too i did watch the first two episodes of watchmen and i was i was turned off immediately like, but i i do like what they where's did nixon with, <laughs> i do like what they did with uh highlighting uh past atrocities that actually made that state start to teach that in their state history classes now i like what they've done with that but as max said that doesn't have to be watchmen <laughs> It's true. I it's do true. think it's a really good cast, though. But every time I and see it's, Damon it's, it's Linda, over. yeah, it's 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 over. And uh, every time I see the names from Lost, because I'm such a big Lost fan, I pay attention. Okay, yeah. so this did you watch the attention. leftovers? Um, I started to. I I had issues with that, well, see, but I did start Bates Motel too. Okay. Well, Max Riker did all the music for um, the leftovers. Mm-hmm. Which made that film even more impactful. <laughs> that, that that series was, I think, the first what two seasons was were incredible. Mm-hmm. And then they uh, decide, you know what, we're just going to burn these off. And they 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 did and get it, to do a third season that yes. finished it all. But it and was just yeah. yeah, it was just so lost. Like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I can I can open I can open a show, but God, I cannot close a show. Well, it's not it's not necessarily closing. It's the seasons in the middle before they get to the end. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's the, that's guess, the Lindelof yeah. thing. Uh, but then Cowboys and Aliens, Prometheus, uh, World War Z, Oof. Into Darkness, and Tomorrowland. And I think we've just listed off a bunch of Max's worst films. <laughs> I know. Well, also peep up movies that were quite disappointing. Well, to you me. wanted them to be well. Oh, you yeah. wanted them to do well, and you didn't. And the Hunt. It has it has a really good cast. It has Betty Gilpin, who you don't you see, and then you don't see. She's the one at the very beginning yeah. doing the uh, doing. She's making the compass, correct. And then you don't see her for a while, and then you then you think you're going to be with Ike Barinholtz for a long time. Then you think you're going to see with uh, Justin Hartley from This Is Us, yeah. and it's just it, and it's got a gr- it's got a really good cast. They're just not in it for a long time because and Glenn Howard the the the, yeah, the sunny guys are in it for a little bit. Yeah, here's the thing that I think that you're making a good point at. The director was um, Craig Zobo, mm-hmm. who is an up and comer, Spirit Award winner, uh, guy that I followed 2012. So I'm I'm still in film at this point. I would get my master's degree in 2005 in film in Miami, and I would follow all these directors that are getting the Spirit Award. And so when this film pops, the only reason why I really see it. Is because of Craig, because this guy was a this guy was a, a Spirit Award winner, which is what Adam Sandler just picked up for Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems now now on DVD. <laughs> right, exactly. So, I think that when you watch the hunt, the film's a little dumpy for me, mm-hmm. and I think the character development is terrible. Absolutely horrible. It's terrible. It's, it's like nothing. You, it's cliche after cliche after yeah. cliche. It's just like, come on. I don't know that he. We're gonna be on Hannity. Oh exactly, come on. Exactly, and it's like so telltale. Like okay. Let's do everything that the liberals hate. Let's do everything that the conservatives hate. Let's I'm put triggered. it in one film. Did I'm you triggered. Say, yes. Oh, did you say, hey guys? Oh, did you really just say guys? Oh, yeah. it, it's so cliche. It's condescending. It's every cliche on yeah. both sides. And the best part, the best part is, uh, Betty Gilpin. You don't know her politics at all. Right. And she. But you can assume some things because she gives these little hints. She says very little about her her character. But even though she's probably fully developed in her head, but she gives very little about her character. And then, therefore, these little hints that you hear about her, you can't assume anything, especially in a movie like this, because one of the liberals, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. 
is a National Guardsman, and so you'd think you'd think that he wouldn't be liberal. You think that yeah. he's a serviceman, so therefore he's going to be right leaning. And then they meant, they name drop Bruce Willis, who is a known conservative, and they would hate him. And yeah. it's just it's not well researched. Yeah, and the thing is too, it, it could be that, or it also could just be poor character development that they just never got to that character and find out what her views were, just because I don't know what he was doing with his script. And so I would say from from a film standpoint, it it is fun to watch. It really is. From a from a torture porn, from a torture porn, from a from a from a gore porn standpoint, mm-hmm. I think the Sturgill, film was a fun. Sturgill film. Simpson's really good in a little part, and yeah. uh, Ethan Suppley from uh, My Name Is Earl, he plays yes. that. He's having fun with stuff 100%. like that. And uh, uh, we mentioned Glenn Hampton, and I just watched Field of Dreams the other day, and I'm like, I wonder what ever happened to Amy Madigan. Exactly. <laughs> she's she she's in yeah. this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it, it it's it's weird, and I wanted it. And if you don't think if you don't think about it too much, it's fun. It's, it's a fun fine, film. but it's then you start going, well, that's just stupid. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a fifty-three. Oh wow! And IMDb gave it a six out of ten. So in the middle zone, it's there. fine. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if it's my my thing is like if it's over five. I'll watch it. I'll stream it. Mm-hmm. If it's over seven, I'm going to the theater. And it's 90 minutes long, so it's quick. Yes. It's tight in in, oh, in, in, in that sense. But once again, but I think... But then you, horror films should not necessarily no, be more than an hour and a half. You should be over 88 in a horror film. <laughs> <laughs> but they do, there is one twist in there yeah. that is... Well, there are several twists, the entire thing. But the main twist of a... Uh, there's a twist, and it's actually I can understand why Lindelof wrote this thing. That is a good twist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not. I'm. I'm not even going to hint to you what it is. But you saw it, but I'm not going to hint to you what it is because yeah, you well. might see it. Right. But it's a it's a mistaken identity, uh, and mis- not only a mistaken identity thing, but a mistaken uh, tweet or no, yeah. a, a text thread that makes everything weird and the audience doesn't know until you find out like three quarters of the way of the film and the mistaken text thread is what sets the entire film off and it's just you could you can imagine them writing this backwards (laughs) exactly and you actually could have shot the film backwards Ooh, like a memento kind of thing because it because it because you don't know you don't the timeline is so wonky and i think that that is what one of the turnoff points of the film is, is this like, all right, well, wait a minute. And I guess structurally in, in, in our side, our heads, right, we always want to kind of put a pattern together. Right. And I think the most jarring thing about the film that actually also makes it fun is that it's not playing with the same patterns. And that could be the work of the director as well. But I feel like the director had no hand and they usually don't in the editing. I think that what he well, shot. And that's what... why they made it 90 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> they probably, it was probably an hour 45 and they said, yeah. you know what, let's uh, tighten this up. A and I think bit. what they tightened could have been that. Character development? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't even know who these people are. They're going to die anyway. <laughs> Which is great horror, right? I mean, right. that's what makes great horror films. Like, well, I don't really care about follow, these people. You're following yoga pants around for the first eight minutes of the film. Which is beautiful. <laughs> I noticed their names because I looked at the credits and I noticed their names are all like Trucker. pajama lady, Because well, they don't pants. live long enough to, for you to find out who right. they are. Right, exactly. Um, and yes, Jason Blum's got his hand. This is very Blumhouse Productions and be- because it is. Yeah. And uh, they're good at what they do. I'll give them that. They're very good at kill scenes. Like, uh, 
I and I can see why it was pushed back, but really I don't see the blowback from conservatives or from liberals on this because they hadn't seen the film and therefore I can understand two two of the three knocks on this film. I can understand them, yeah. but I don't necessarily agree with them. They they were going to get I I think it was more from a production standpoint, that they weren't going to get the audience. And now they're... Well, but they actually are going to get the audience because this is one of the only few films that is yeah. going to be coming out for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> right, if people do want to But if, if they do go to the movies, that's the thing. Right, <laughs> unless, right. Unless we're talking about Bloodshot. Um. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> no, no, Marcus Theaters have made extensive uh, pleas that they are scrubbing they're cleaning every everything. seat. And... Yeah. But you can't... Something like the Galaxy, you can't. That's in the county, and you can't have more than two hundred fifty people. And I don't know how many of that seats in like the uh, the super right. deluxe. Right. Well, the they're IMAX, just going to have to the... go to the smaller ones. And the high... yeah, but does that count? Because they're still in the same facility. Yeah, I don't know. I but... think it, I think it's working the same way the fire code would, right? Right. So okay. if they're saying so 250, building. only 250 building. Okay. Which and would I, make sense to me. And I don't think the mega screen does have 250. I think it's like uh like less than that. Well, even with the Tivoli and the Fewer High Point, than that, sorry. maybe having yeah. a couple hundred seats, not that many people ever go to m- movies, you know, on the So, I mean, it, unless it's the film festival or something. So, I think you're safe in going. Because you might be one of ten people in the audience, and I I want to say that I did laugh out loud a couple times at the hunt, yeah. And so, I it, I know we just gave middling to positive reviews on it, but that's because of the baggage it already has. Sure, I, I would agree with that statement. It also it doesn't play with all your emotions, and I think a good film has to play with all of them. And you get maybe two emotions out of the film. And this anger is... <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> for the characters. You're, you're angry that they didn't uh, flush out these characters. Because, uh, let's move on. Lynn, All let's right. move on to the movie that you so wanted to see last week. Because you love Ben. And I love Ben, too. I do too. But the, do we... No. Ben's chunky in this film. He is. He's beefy. I think he... Uh, uh, this is a Serenity Prayer movie. Okay. It's not a basketball movie. Oh, I mean, really? it is a basketball movie, but but it's not your typical rah rah sports. Well, besides the horrible movie. title, yeah. Because D- does do the does the horrible title title make sense in the film at all? Yeah, yeah. Oh, because he but, he was an athlete at one point in the right, film. Right, so. right. But, so uh, this guy, but wasn't it originally called Finding the Way Back? I think that would have been better. That would have been a better title. That would have yeah. been better, and it's not neatly resolved which is good i think the problem with this film is (laughs) right i think the problem with this is the script Mm. gavin o'connor the director well he makes miracle and he did the accountant what i love the accountant right and warrior okay he likes ben affleck too well i mean that's a clear right dan dan buffa loves warrior that was on his top 10 that year love that movie so much and that's why he was looking forward to the and he liked the accountant too he was looking forward to this so much because he likes both of these guys and their work together. And Warrior has Tom Hardy, so there you go. I'm big Tom I'm in, Hardy I'm fan. in on that, too. Yeah, so uh, Gavin O'Connor knows how to make a movie. Uh, it's shot in dark shadows and natural light. Yeah, you can and, tell that in the... Yeah, it's very different. It's this, And it's a Catholic school in... Uh, inner city LA it's seen better days he's in a uh, 
crappy apartment in a crappy neighborhood. He's drinking. He he has a construction job. He fills up his mug with vodka in the morning. What's wrong? And with that? when he gets out into his truck at night, he grabs a cold beer. And he proceeds to drink the rest of the night or go to a bar where the bartender or slash owner helps him up his steps. So we find out why he's such a mess. He had a personal tragedy. And I think the film would have been okay without the personal tragedy because in my experience... Having uh, come from a long line of alcoholics and people with substance abuse problems in my family, I am very familiar with uh, alcoholic behavior and and uh, people. It would have been fine unsaid. It would have been fine unsaid, but then it adds more to it because there's an ex-wife and there's a lot of issues and his family. His in the movie, his mom has just moved in with his sister, Michaela Watkins who has a nice family, ki- mm-hmm. kids, they love their Uncle Jack, and everybody kind of looks at him like, oh, it's so sad to see you just downward spiral. So they watch him, but they know that he's mimicking the behavior of their alcoholic dad. Oh. Well, see, that's that's enough of a backstory that you don't need to go any further. Right. So, But I'm sure... I- you know, I can guarantee there's a dead kid or a car accident or something like there's that. There's always something. So, so you have <laughs> you to draw, the, yeah, you have to draw that in. So um, he doesn't want to take the job, but he does as the the school where his team last won the championship. And oh, No, hold on. Please tell me that they weren't the last team to win a championship. Oh, of course they were. <laughs> It's actually in the trailer. Oh, really? You know, it's like they put that right out there. Right, right. And so he you was were the, the last team to win. Cha- oh, yeah. He yeah, gets a full ride to Kansas. Yeah, and he throws it away. And he throws it away. Oh. And uh, he's Hoosiers. just, yeah. True. And it's like, I said, it's like Hoosiers yeah. meets Flight or The Verdict or Stars Born. And then throw in Space Jam. Just playing. But <laughs> yeah. No, but Hoosiers. Hoosiers, yeah, Hoosiers yes. You know, it was the drunk and father. So, and, right. Yep. So you've got that going. Does he, sp- does he suspend the best player on the team? No, that's Hoosiers. Um, There's he... some tragedy that happens on the team. Oh, no. I was able to see about halfway through it before I had to go. Well, there's there's a dad who doesn't come to see, uh, doesn't support his hot, yeah. the best player on the team. He's a loner. And then there's a hotshot player that Ben's got a discipline. and But... He finds it's his a, purpose. It's a high school basketball right. movie. He finds his purpose in teaching these kids, but then he's such a mess because, you know, he hasn't had treatment. So he shows up to practice when it's the playoffs. And it's the first time they've been in the playoffs. And so they have to get rid of him because he's drunk and he's had alcohol around the kids and he's begging them not. But then he goes into treatment and then he has to make his amends, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the way back. You're not, you know, you're not selling me on this. I, I told you two weeks ago that this movie did nothing special for me. It's it's just is it just his performance that makes it good? I just think it's a it's you know it's it's is what it is. Okay, it's not gonna it's, win it's, any awards. It's it's basically Ben Affleck from Goodwill Hunting that grew up. He's still in construction. He's still drinking, and right. now he's coaching basketball. Right, and it's a redemption. <laughs> but yeah. it's in L.A. not in Boston. LA, exactly. Yeah, and it's a redemption story for him. So I'm happy for Ben. I'm happy for yeah. Ben. Yeah, but he has, he is they has, free, they say oh. he has all these problems already. 
I know. He's had it to galore in this yeah, film, Yeah, well, his, too. his family, his dad and his family, and it's just sad. It's sad when you are on the outside looking in because people, most Americans have dealt with alcoholism and sure. substance abuse in their families in some way or fashion. So you see this and you feel bad, but it's like the film's like an intervention uh, lesson, I guess. And if you take away things... Uh, from it and it's perfectly timed because we have no basketball right now <laughs> so yeah. no it's true it, it's it actually like, did very well it's 83 percent on rotten tomatoes mm-hmm. and it got a seven out of ten on imdb so people did like the looks that ben gave it and i'm kind of on the fence with ben there's films that he's incredible at the gavin o'connor who did the accountant mm-hmm. with him there's this he shoots him well yeah, like he knows his angles, and even though when you're when you're seeing, I mean, I, definitely Ben gets in gets a little out of shape for this film, this role to really play it up, right? You don't want to be this guy that's, you know, ripped and, and Batman in this type of film where you're playing a drunk, right? You're playing that bloated type, and I think he does a great job in, in the scenes that I did get to see. I think that um, Ben had a lot of good looks in this, and he felt sincere in it, and I think he does get a lot of crap, but he is one of our Hollywood you know actors he really is like when ben's in a he 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 demands a performance he can lead he can lead on screen Uh, and i think that you see this with um, a couple of your talks last week um with the invisible man she's a great supporting actress can't lead and ben in this case with the ben can lead a role (laughs) stockman didn't know who she was yeah (laughs) yeah because he doesn't watch tv well but also this This he broke Jennifer Garner's heart. So yes, uh, I know that's but but I I I have seen interviews with him and he talks about being there for his kids. Well, J Lo broke his heart. That's true. Yeah, but they didn't have a big enough mirror for her. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, but you know their lives are played out. I'm still not going to see it. You you didn't sell me on it. All right, I'm sorry. Well, don't be sorry. I'm not. I'm. You know what? I'm not sorry. I'm, I'm apologizing to you, but I'm. I'm really not sorry. There's no. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing drawing me to this. Well, I'm also from a family of jocks, so mm-hmm. I totally got the whole thing. I identified with it very much, mm-hmm. but that's my personal mm-hmm. life. I'm going to finish it. I, I thought that what I saw, I liked. So I. I just liked that it was unconventional because it's not this, you know, rah rah sports team movie. You know, it's it's just. Uh, uh, actually more like an indie film, but it is really focused Starring on... Starring Ben Affleck? I know. <laughs> Once again, though, you have like a white savior in an inner city, city oh, yes. which is what I don't like. Right, oh, the white shadow. It's just yeah. like, okay, well, we need a white person to be good at basketball. <laughs> it's like, so wait a minute. Who's, who's uh, Al Madrigal in this movie? <laughs> he's the assistant coach, and he's very good. Yeah. Okay. I liked him on Daily Show. Yeah, he's, he's very good. So he, he's good. Is he comic relief? No, no, he's, not. he's, he's oh, acting. Serious. Wow, yeah, most, serious. Yeah, most comedians are great. I mean, Jim Carrey is an example of this. Are incredible dramatic actors. Robin mm-hmm. Williams. They have like, a lot of baggage. They do. They're emotional bags, man. And if you see <laughs> the movie Punchline with Tom Tom Hanks, Hanks. oh, that is one of those. But that, they always say that about comedy. Uh, Charlie Chaplin used to say that comedy is life in long shot, and tragedy is life in close up. Mm-hmm. And I do think that 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 fits. The wife is played by Janina Gavankar and the ex-wife. I mean, okay, and she is in things that I haven't watched, but she does 
very good. I think that's a believable family. It's a believable uh, situation. It is, like you said, the white savior, and it does get a little preachy at times. But uh, yeah. he, it isn't neatly resolved, which I... Well, you just spoiled it for everyone. Well, it's not going to make like it's not going to make one of those motivational things you watch on YouTube before you go to the gym, like mm-hmm. Al Pacino's speech in any given Sunday. Right, the speech isn't that epic, but there are moments where it's it feels real, and I think that the film does have a backbone in the sense that you do have a comeback, and I think the way back there is also talking about that defeat the defeat of alcoholism, and that you know there are times in your life where you can't overcome. I think is where they're trying to strive for because, like you said earlier, it's really not a basketball film. It's it's about a film that that takes on a human a humanity aspect of it where people can relate to yeah you have to change the things you can and you have to accept that you can't change everything yeah. and that's the big takeaway for me and then also the one day at a time thing when he's in rehab talking to people making his amends and uh, yeah. you know are you sold yet no. Still All not. righty. Sorry. So, so did um, anything else? Did you see? I still believe. I did not, but my colleague at the Times newspapers, Kent, did, and he said he and Sean agreed it was like a Hallmark movie gold edition. Oh, it I is, mean, yeah. yeah. Well, is, I owe him thirty dollars, so it is. Based, I'm still not going to see that either. Okay, it is based on the Christian singer yeah. Jeremy Camp. Yeah. Okay. It's the Irwin brothers that that directed it. Okay. So. It, they are notorious for Christian films. Okay. It definitely has those undertones. Um, but it's a mainstream film. 100%. Okay. It's like Christian pop film. Oh. Like, um, a, like a Toby Mac documentary. Yeah, throw throw you know throw Christianity down my throat because I, I'm able to get through these dark times in my life because of God. And, and I think that's awesome that's when you have something that that's If that higher. works for them, that works for them. Exactly. But it, it also is kind of preachy in that sense. But it, I think it's... No. I think it's a, you know it's something it's a given if you're going to watch an Irwin film. <laughs> All right, yes. uh, and we already talked about no one saw Bloodshot, and Frankie's not going to. Not going to see uh, that. Vin Diesel, it. Uh, you're fifty. Uh, oh, it's <laughs> just. <laughs> uh, Hope Gap, no one saw. I, no, I saw. You it. saw Hope Gap? Yes. Well, I, let, let's go I, back I, to the uh, movies we didn't see. We wanted to talk a scotch about Wendy, who none of us saw, but it's, once again, the Peter Pan story from Wendy's point of view. Which, hasn't that been done already, too? Isn't mm. Finding Neverland kind of that? Yeah, I would say that, but this is the it guy that directed it. Beasts of the Southern Wild. Yeah, yeah okay. I, I am more most excited about watching Wendy because I am I've seen everything Peter Pan. I'm obsessed with Peter Pan. There's a tattoo on my arm that says Lost Boy mm-hmm. with the pirate ship. So this song. is really the story of the Lost Boys, even though it's told through Wendy. Okay. It's the story of the Lost Boys. And there's these very interesting glimpses and flashbacks. And he does that thing that he did in, in, in his 2012 film, which was an Academy Award nominee, um, where he does this incredible flashbacks. Like, it, Gorgeous mm-hmm. cinematography, right. gorgeous. I'm with these kids, and he's a 37 year old director. Starcatcher, or is it more Peter Pan? Because Peter and Starcatcher was it feels like Lord of the Flies. Oh, but a good side of it. Okay, well, I Piggy read doesn't a review. Die. I read Piggy a review. Yeah, uh, I read a review that talked about how well he works with the kids. He's incredible. He's 37 years old. Um, he's a New Yorker. Um, he is. He is somebody that. I love working with kids. My daughter is in two of my films, and so I love working with kids as well. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing that I think that he really 
encapsulates when he works with children is the fact that I don't know that he gives them subtext. I don't know that he actually gives them a script because he really wants them to be these kids that are fluid on screen. That the, 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 I want you to be a kid. There's a right. camera here, but be a kid. Don't talk like adults wrote this for you. Yeah. No jazz hands. And the black child in this film, I'm trying to get his name. I, I should have gotten it last night. He, You could just see in the scenes that he's in, this kid is going to be something. Like He is. He lights up the screen um, and just that the, the whole the, the show. And Hope Gap, I did see Hope Gap because I'm an Annette Banning fan. Okay. So I didn't know we were going to talk oh, about that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, then let's go to it. Yeah. Hope Gap. I don't know anything about this movie. Okay, well, it's shot uh, in England. It's on the coast. It's a seaside town. Annette Benning is the wife, and Bill Nighy is the professor dad, and they're both Oh, I do know literate. about this movie. Okay, <laughs> and their son is played by Josh O'Connor, who was Prince Charles in The Crown. He's incredible in this film. He's very good, and yeah. I do think his subplot, though, is... Just not explored the way it should. Okay, so they have a miserable, dull, lifeless marriage. She's trying really hard. It's going to be their 29th anniversary. She's trying real hard to get him to be somebody that he really can't be. And he feels that he disappoints her all the time. But little do we know, he's planning to leave because he's fallen in love with someone else. A past. Yeah. So Josh O'Connor, as the son who doesn't come home very often, I'm kind of confused about that. So he comes home, and the dad tells him that, and he's just like, holy Jesus, can you wait? Can you wait till after our anniversary? <laughs> and he's like, no, uh-uh, it's going to happen. And so the son becomes the emotional support for the mom. Who's devastated? But I found her character to be really needy, and this is not as finessed as Marriage well, it's Story. It's based on a play, right? Yeah, it's based on a play. It's very talky. Is it shot like a play? Well, what? they have the drone doing the sea shots. Oh, the overhead sea shots, so we know we're so so. It's it's supposed to not look like a play, but it's wordy like a play. I'm gonna I'm gonna tap my own shoulder here because I did do. A, a movie conversion this year with with cringe jason clayfish's cringe which was a play and taking it to the cinema i believe only works in short films and i think that this is where you see the failure of this film is that this would be an amazing short film um, but instead oh, it's it way is, too uh, long 100 minutes long i think that's, that's why you get 40 minutes that's why you get an, a, a benning's character being needy in a, in a, in a, in a short you know, even if it's like a 35 or 37 minute film, I think that she's not needy. I think that this is a person but that is exploring is... love, that she understands like 29 years of marriage and she's on the other side of the spectrum. And meanwhile, you have Bill Nahi, who I love. I mean, I just love him. Like, I just want him to always have like a sword or a wizard wand. But <laughs> it, it's kind of interesting to see him in a serious role. Yeah. Because you're always just wondering, you know, waiting for him to give her like the sign that she's in Gryffindor or something. But <laughs> like, because, you know, it's his voice and he has that voice that's so powerful. Um, I know. And he uses soft. He's a soft talker in yeah. this. Real professor. But, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they, they quote books and they quote poetry and they're very smart people, and they're just that's on the miserable. Nose. It's on the nose with the smart stuff. But yeah. We get it. You're, yeah. You're that's saying like stuff that it's not shot like a play, but it's too long, but it's only 100 minutes. Most plays are two and a half hours. So it seems like they cut from this to make it less than a play. Yeah. Well, this guy wrote the movies 
Gladiator and Shadowlands. Yes. Well, okay, yeah. Gladiator is so, like a three-hour movie. Right, and Shadowlands is C.S. Lewis. This is his short film. Wow. <laughs> and uh, he's an Oscar-nominated screenwriter, but yeah. he wrote this play called The Retreat from Moscow because this is what Bill Nye's character teaches in class. And yeah. it's about the disintegration of a marriage, which we how many times have we seen this? And I guess yeah. because I thought marriage story just hit all destroyed the, mm-hmm. yeah it destroyed every level and the domino effect this is just so <sighs> it is and it's like it's hard to hold up because it's like i love annette betting i have a secret crush on her i would totally marry her i mm-hmm. just love annette betting i think she's just this the camera can do things with her that you really feel her emotion in this film but i think that it does get heavy-handed at some point it's like you just want to kind of slap her around a little bit it's like all right bro like you're in yeah. that betting. And oh, then like, also he, her he, English accent is, is terrible. terrible. He wrote Les Mis and Unbroken. Yeah. And he's a, Everest. He's a, he's a, he's okay. a very distinguished oh, and Nell. screenwriter. <laughs> yeah. And if you live this personally, obviously he's got some personal baggage that he's working through, I would think. Maybe he got recently divorced. <laughs> But they they try to tie this into that the oh, son he's seventy two he the son can't commit to a relationship, but that doesn't even that's so underdeveloped. It is, but I think that like you also what they're trying to do is they're trying to tell tell the father the son is walking in the footsteps now of the dad where he can't commit and he shouldn't have committed because maybe there's an underlying subconscious there where the child is like their marriage is together but it's not working so therefore I can't commit to certain things oh. and there's a there's a huge kind of like hey and this is what happens when a film is too long you start thinking things through to mm-hmm. try to help the subplot to help it out. but you really can't and you're trying to like hodgepodge and we really don't know what the idea was here my biggest problem with the film and a lot of guys will argue will disagree with me this is a fishbowl this this film is essentially a fishbowl. You, you got three characters in the film, and I think that that's why it's so dragged out. There, there's really no diversity amongst the cast. You don't have a lot of lean-in. You know that at this point, Annette Benning, in any kind of situation where you have a marriage of 29 years mm-hmm. and it's falling apart, that she would lean on someone. Right, but the son is like this. The son is like this strange character, which like he has to split between his dad. You wouldn't lean on your children. You just wouldn't. And that is for me, it's not believable. Like, who? Where's her sister at? Where's her best friends? Like, where where is he at in this whole thing? Like, the husband has this a strange lover, but we don't even know the development of that. Like, you just want to be with somebody else, and then she gets to meet this person, and it's super awkward because really we don't know her character, but we know everybody else is Mm -hmm. these literary geniuses finally meeting the maid. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and then and then when he says, "I want to be your friend," and I was like, "Oh, Oh. don't go there." Throw up in the mic. (laughs) And then uh, another thing is to it shows her going to mass. She's a devout Catholic. Mm -hmm. You would think she would have a church friend, right? Yeah. Or a priest. or Yes, exactly. Yeah, and that would have been a cool character, right? To have somebody that could see it from the, the standpoint of the union of marriage, where you could then add into this whole another layer of like, you know, are you really together because of some kind of higher authority right. or deal? And, and Catholics are supposed to marry for life mm-hmm. and all that. So they, they just touch on that. It just, it just is one of these, I gave it a C mm. because... That's what, that's what Rotten Tomatoes gave it. They gave it 58%. Why, why would you go and see it? I do like Annette Benning, and I always feel bad because I think she should win an Oscar. And I always, every Did Hillary movie, Swank I, beat the crap out of her twice? <laughs> <laughs> and I always, when I go into her movies, 
like for instance the report she played Diane Feinstein she was she actually the best well. thing in the report and she did very well you want her to do well and you want her to get nominated and you want her to win and she is the mother of Warren Beatty's four children so you know she's got uh you know she's at that age now where hopefully someday she'll get an Oscar she still has incredible sex appeal on camera too like she is you want to watch her you want to see her act she is an incredible actor um and i just don't know that i think she has a poor agent is what it comes down to <laughs> like i think her agent gives her shitty roles i just like she could have played in the if you look at the, the oscars which nobody watches anymore for good reason but when you look at the the leading ladies that are winning and you can put you can put Annette Bedding in almost any one of those roles, and she would have been just as not, dynamic. Not the Jennifer Lawrence roles. Oh, God. Wow. <laughs> There's somebody with talent that chooses Marvel films sometimes, and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's true, too. My favorite actor, John Cusack, said it right. I'm not going to wear tights. So... Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I do think that uh, hopefully we'll see her in something, but she is taking... She is taking roles that uh, are different. I, I have one question about this film. The guy that plays the lawyer, how does he look? Because that's Stephen Pacey, and he was on Blake 7, a British uh, science fiction show from the late 70s, early 80s, and I loved that show. And you never, you you he just heard about Paul Darrow who died from that show. He was the lead, but he was one of the, he was like the hunky guy on Blake 7, and is he still hunky? He aged well. Good. Yeah. That, I mean, that I, makes me happy. His his role is very uh, yeah, it's brief. diffused. Oh, like it's, yeah. But once again, there's a character that, that you wanted more because <laughs> the lawyer he's the one that's like dude the mediator been too for twenty eight yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. twenty nine years and, yeah. and it's a financial arrangement and she just looks like a deer caught in headlights yeah but you know what if it was just if they were staying together for money reasons that that's a avenue they could have explored as well mm -hmm. but sure. they but they did. Yeah, no, they didn't. But she's one of those actresses that act with her eyes. And I think that's smart. But you also know that she's smart because you can see her thinking. Yeah. So she's very believable in her role, too. When she when opens on the this coastline and she's writing and, and she's reading this thing. And it, it's just that's the part that entices me. And, and I just think that, like, when you're in a fishbowl and you've given yourself a limited cast of three. It's tough to carry a two-hour film. I mean, almost two-hour film. It, it really is. I mean, you have to be really dynamic to... I mean, Cringe is 23 minutes, and it was 30. Like, mm -hmm. I cut the hell out of that film because it's it's, it's talky. It's you like, you, it's tight. a play. It, it's yeah, like, it's, a, it's play. a play. You can't help it. And if you don't have a lot of budget, you can't add special effects. So it's like, you're really, really pouring a lot into three actors that are incredible. But they can't really hold the film up that well. No, even but my it. favorite part is the voiceovers by the son. Yes. And he Josh says... Josh O'Connor? Yeah, and he says, I never asked my mother if she was happy. Mm -hmm. You know, during the childhood. And he's like, you don't do that. What kid asks their parents, are they happy? Yeah. They don't. And then he talks about, it shows these scenes of, because they live in a coastal city, uh, they go down to this beach yeah. a lot. And the mom would take one hand and the dad would take the other hand and he would swing between like kids do. Yes. Sure. I'm sure you did that with That's your daughter. That's a parent thing, yeah. And he starts breaking down. 
But that is a recurring theme too. the unit as a family. So there are things that they could have explored. I just feel bad because it does have a good cast and you want them to do well. But it's just so meh. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> and yeah, I defer right. to you. I think that if they would have built up Josh's story more and made it more about the son's reflection on his parents with the narration, I think that film's a winner. I think that film is great. But I think they relied too heavily on their top two talents and, and didn't give enough to, to, to O'Connor. I, I, you know, I I look at it from a different perspective, too. I I love his face, and I love seeing him on camera. So it's like I want more, more scenes with him in it. I do think when I – because I didn't watch The Crown. So yeah. when I saw him, I go, I think I would like to see him in more things. Yeah. Because yeah, totally. he is good. I do think this film suffered because it came out at Toronto in yeah. the fall. Yeah. And then so Mary Story on it? blew oh, up. Canada hates yeah. my films, just so you guys know. I can't get in any Canadian film. Every one of them hates my films. Oh, no. Well, so it came out in November at Toronto. And oh, this and is then when Marriage Story And then a Mary Story blew up, and then you got to compare yourself to that. Yeah. So that's hard. So if so I then, watched this film, it would be another film that I would never watch again. Right. You wouldn't get through it, man. Really? I don't know you that well, but I'm starting to really like you. <laughs> no, no, I I always watch them to completion. I that's, do. See, that's good. I stay till the end, even though sometimes I do not want to. Yeah, this one you just don't have your phone on you because I think that you're gonna be. I think you're gonna Distracted. be scrolling. Yeah, I think you're gonna be scrolling through it. I try not to do that. I either. never yeah. do uh, leave a movie at a theater, but I do turn them off at home sometimes when I'm just really. At You've disc. invested all that time. Why but not a little bit more? I'm gonna make I'm it... not this one, but I mean, you know, when we get all those when we get all the screeners, right? In in December, and I've done three of them in once, and then uh, and then I start watching one. I go, no, I'm done. So I have a suggestion though on this one, just because I'm don't I, watch it. I think I'm, I think I'm funny, um, but I I really kind of want to switch the titles of Ben Affleck's film with way, this one, the way back. and then put Hope Gap Hope in Gap. this one, and I think it makes so much more now, sense. Now, if Hope Gap was a basketball term, then yes, right, right, it but makes the Hope Gap it's like, oh, what is the gal? It could be the rim. It could be a lot of different things, right? Ooh. So it's like, and then if you took the way back, like 29 years, that's way back, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that though, if you switch the two movie titles, I think you're in a good it shape. Been I like that. I like that idea. I think that's good. Okay, All right. So, so let's move on to uh, next week. We have nothing to talk about well, because they I pushed back. I, I did see Burden. You did? I did. Did you see Greed as well? I did. Oh, so which one do you want to do first? Uh, I'll just talk briefly about Greed. It's Michael Winterbottom and Steve Coogan who love, done those love me some Coogan trip movies, and interesting. They shot this movie in Greece, and now they're going to come up with the trip to Greece. Huh? It's like so they were scouting. So I think they're doing too. Okay, so this is my problem with this movie. It's a satire of the super rich. Mm-hmm. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah. We know nothing new. It's part Kardashian reality TV show. It's really unsufferable, awful people. Why do we want to spend nearly two hours? This movie is almost two hours. Why do we want to spend two hours with it? Because it's not even funny, funny. Coogan plays a jerk like he usually does. Right. But he's, and he's Steve good. Coogan. He's good at playing a jerk. And he's got this long, like, Richard Branson gray hair. Yeah, and, and it really telegraphs that, too. He telegraphs Richard Branson in this a lot. Yes. In the early years of his life, like, right. you could start seeing that. And his name is Sir Richard McCready. 
Okay. And he has made a fortune out of selling cheap clothes. And they call him Greedy McGreedy. So the movie's called Greed. His ex-wife is Isla Fisher. His mm, son, Asa Butterfield mm-hmm. from Hugo. Mm-hmm. Love that. Growing up. But they don't they don't use him enough. And he's got a daughter who's, who's boy, whose boyfriend is Fabian. And they're shooting a reality TV show. It's like the young, the not, beautiful, the rich. Not really Fabian, but like no, that's no, his like, name. No, okay. like some pretty boy with the same Fabian. And so they have her mini drama. But this is the thing. He's having his 60th birthday party on this Greek island. It's the bash to, it's the party of the century. It is, as one of the party planners refers to it, Great Gatsby meets Gladiator meets The Godfather. Ooh, okay. No way. And it goes, are there any other G movies? And <laughs> somebody says Grease, and they look at her like crazy. So he's got all these syncophants, all these hangers on, all these people. Does Rob Ryden show up <laughs> from from the trip movies? Yeah. No. No. And uh, they have, uh, he's building... I guess a Coliseum type thing on the beach. Yeah. It's way uh, under, it's not done. He's yelling at everybody all the time. These poor refugees are on the beach and they're acting like, get away, you you gnats. Peasants. And uh, it's just not pleasant to watch for two hours. At first you give it a, okay. But then it's like, there's nothing new. No. Well, that, this was supposed to be a Sasha Baron Cohen film. Well, that makes sense because I thought because of him. that's why Isla Fisher's in it. But Winterbottom wanted to work with Sasha Baron Cohen, and then he dropped out, and so Steve Coogan replaced him. Would that have been a better film? Mm-mm. No, because the script is still it's tame. No, you're only as good as your script, right? It's just the same old stuff. It is like shooting fish in a barrel because it's like they're an easy target. Rich people are an easy target. The one percenters and everybody else. The best thing about the movie is Shirley Henderson. As his mother, Shirley Henderson, played Oliver Hardy's wife in the the Stan and Ollie movie. She's, she's Morning, Mur- Morning Myrtle in the Harry Potter films. Aha. Uh-huh. She's a hoot in this. Really? And so, she's not... She's like in her 40s. But they age her up. Okay. But she also... They have a flashback. The kid that does him in prep school, he is a... Prep school snot. Oh, she's yeah. 54, though. That okay. was really good. And I love that they did that instead of that weird, like, degeneration, like, CGI mm-hmm. in people. I don't know if you guys have covered that yet. I oh. hate that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I hate it. I hate it for every film. It, it's not there yet. The technology's not there. It's just weird, creepy. I mean, Scorsese's film did that, and it was terrible. And in this film, I do like the flashbacks. I do like they finally matched him up to somebody that looked like him. Like, that's what Hollywood used to do, and you can always you find, you always you find an actor that looks like you. Yeah, and it, you, it, it buys into it. Like, you really... And then that is tough for young filmmakers or indie filmmakers that don't have the big budgets. Like, we can't use CJ. So we really have to start looking for people that kind of age well, but also... Like, do they have the same facial features? You're looking for the spatial, the spatial differentiate for their face. You're looking for different jaw lines. You're, you're looking for ears, lobes. It's a fun <laughs> part of the film. Yes. You know, and it's like if your lobes are wrong, people are going to call you right out because, um, you know, some attach, some don't. Right. And it's like, well, you know, that, that that's something that doesn't change. Today, it's like, well, just give it to, you know, we have a billion dollars. Let's just give it to the CGI guys and make you look really strange, like some kind of weird soulless character from a video game. Gemini Man. Yeah. <laughs> Another terrible film. Oh. God. Oh. God, so, Will Smith, stop. Just so stop. Pearl Mackey from Doctor Who is in this, too. 
She plays Kathy, who is is that just another minor role in this movie? Because I I'll, I'm watching all these BBC science fiction movies and I are science fiction TV shows, and then I find out that they are in these films that you people are seeing and. They don't have big parts. That's My thing bad. is, is like, why don't why not do a film on Richard Branson, who is an incredible human, <laughs> like a person that because he'd like, sue you. Yeah, well, I, I, you would want him to be a part of it. Oh, but at the same time, like, I think that you could show another side. There are really philanthropic people. But I also that, think that Richard Branson is one of those controlling guys that would be very uh, hands on on a movie about himself. Yeah, and I also I mean, don't... He's got a little vanity thing going on, right? Well, sure. And look, <laughs> look at the stewardesses from the. From Virgin Air, Vir, from from Virgin Air back in the day, back when, sure, pre Me Too. But I just thought it was one note, and that's just what drove me crazy. Yeah, well, you didn't like it. I All mean, right. rich people are one note, though, right? Like, well, unless they are really good philanthropic people. Bill Gates would be uh, if you saw the Pirates of Silicon Valley, which nobody saw apparently, but that was that TNT movie, right? With Anthony Michael Hall and Noah Wiley, it was really good because <laughs> you know they all uh, rich, you know, to get where they are. I'm always fascinated by the climb. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, I mean, you and do what a, they do with their fame. You could do a killer film with just using, um, you know, a Trump character, and then uh, who is this, uh, the guy in? Uh, there's another real estate developer in in South Florida um, that really you want to talk about greed. You want to talk about guys that I think the film could have been powerful, but they just made it a, a reality TV show about the Kardashians. It's like no one cares. Yeah, and and, and like, it's like those the it's like those awful people that did the fire festival. It's that kind of attitude, oh God, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's just like that attitude, that entitlement and privilege and. I don't know. It just was not entertaining at, to me for all. You said you weren't going to talk about this movie a lot, and it's okay, been yeah, no, several minutes. Okay, that so you, we'll, that you we'll, hated. We'll it. go into Burden. Okay, Burden. Burden was made in 2018. Uh, it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. So why is it coming out now? I question that. I think they re-edited it because the film is dismal at best. It's it's so predictable. It's so flat. It is. Why? But it's based on a true story. So here's the deal. If you put this in a fictional story, people would just howl and dismiss it. This is a tiny town in South Carolina. Everybody's very poor. It's white trash. They open the Redneck KK Museum. KKK. KKK. I'm sorry. The Ku Klux Klan. Yes. And they take an old movie theater and they they put a shop and they have all these Confederate flags and... The great people from the Civil War is all over, and they have terrible racist T-shirts. And Tom Wilkinson, when you were asking about where was Amy Madigan, I've been thinking, like, I was like, where's Tom Wilkinson these days? Mm-hmm. And here he shows up. He's the he's lead. in this racist movie. He's in the <laughs> he's the leader of the Ku Klux Klan. We need a guy that could look racist. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and but with a British accent, or does he? Ha- he I guess no. he has a Southern accent. Yeah, he has this. a Southern accent, and he's very manipulative. Okay, so then there's this Baptist. Pastor, played by Forrest Whitaker, Ugh. Reverend Kennedy, Oscar, Oscar winner Forrest, Whitaker. Oscar winner Forrest uh, <laughs> Whitaker, and he plays this guy who leads the protests when the KKK museum opens. They have a whole group of black people with signs, and and he's got 
the bullhorn and they're... What year is this supposed to take place? 1996. Okay. And they're chanting no justice, no peace, which uh, I thought that was, you know, post for... So this is 1996. So they're Uh all protesting. Well, there's a lot of horrible behavior in town between the blacks and and the, the white Ku Klux Klan members are pretty awful to the blacks in town. They do not get along. It's, everything's very segregated. You've not said anything new. Yeah, right. The, the film is, is So garbage. Burden is the name of the guy. He is a, a, a very down-on-his-luck person played by Garrett Hudlin. Isn't he like and, an orphan? Yeah, he's an orphan. And I love Garrett Hudlin, though. I know. we got to talk about him once I get this done, because uh, I have a lot to say about him. But uh, he is Mike Burden, and he falls in love with this woman whose child, seven or eight, mm-hmm. plays with Usher's, and that is, yes, Usher the singer. His character, Clarence Bloom, plays with his son. And it turns out Mike Burden... How does that happen yeah. in this town of racially charged attitudes? Right. Yeah. So there is... A, so then uh, he is a repo man. Garrett Hudlin's character, Mike Burden, is a repo man. He comes and that's how he meets his girlfriend. But also he's going to repossess the TV at Clarence Bloom's house, which is Usher. And he said, oh, we used to play together as kids. And so... They had, uh, uh, they didn't see color lines when they were children, but now, of course, everybody sees color lines. So the girlfriend turns him in, wants him to not be a Klansman. So it's all about, (laughs) and and this really happened. You would laugh, but this really happened. I'm sure. So she, because of her, the love of a good woman, he gives up the Klan. Well, his Klan brethren doesn't like it. He loses his job. He loses. They, they lose their place to live. She gets fired. They're living in the car. They have no money. In walks Forrest Whitaker's character and saves them. And they come live with the black family. And the black family's like freaking out. Like, what? Why'd you, you bring this Klansman home? Right. Yep. They, they think they because, think he's uh, a spy and he's going to kill them all. Because I see yeah. a brother in Christ, I think, is the line that he uses. Right. And so what happens is, and this is this would be straight out of Hollywood if it wasn't true. <laughs> the head KKK guy, Tom Wilkinson, has given the deed of the museum to Mike Burden because he feels like he's his son. Oh, so Mike Burton gives the deed of the KKK Museum to the pastor to turn it into New Beginnings mm-hmm. Church. Mm-hmm. So the pastor gets the deed to the building and they dismantle the KKK Museum and turn it into a church. Well, apparently in real life, this was quite the legal battle. So it wasn't uh, okay the yeah. church didn't get it till 2017 after the head guy died. And then at the end, when they're doing the whole coda about what's happened to everybody, mm-hmm. they have a hashtag rehab hate and they want you to contribute to help this echo theater become a cultural center for peace and love. And uh, they will give a brick in your name and blah, blah, blah. So they make this whole plea at the end of the movie to help out their efforts. So I think that's probably why the movie's coming out now 
to help in this effort. But a, a year and a half later, it's it, two, almost two years. It, wow. it is. It is a film that, uh, for me, you know, Forrest Whitaker is is an incredible actor. He does very strange roles sometimes. I think the stylist in this film is terrible. Oh, made him look like George Jefferson. <laughs> um, like you don't have to be specific as to the character. I don't. I don't believe that you have to character match everyone. Um, I always believe his eyes should get a supporting role because uh, I don't know what to look at. No. Um, but at the same time, like when Forrest Whitaker is doing his thing, he's the same person in almost every film he's ever been in. Not in his Oscar-winning performance of the oh uh, the, the Scottish King, right? But it's a very different role for him, right? This one, he goes back to everything that, um, Crying Game. Yeah, and it, and it's it's a lot of. He always has an expression on his face like hang dog. I always feel sorry yeah, for him. Yeah, 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 he yeah. makes you want to start crying well, for no, him. Well, he's okay. He's Star a, he's Wars. A, yeah. Rogue One. Yeah. Which was a Clone Wars role and he went back and did that in Clone Wars, which I liked about that. Yeah, he was also in the video game too. Right. Um so I don't know. There, there are things about the film that I like, but you also have to come back to. No, who, I, I, I want to correct yeah. myself. It wasn't Clone Wars. It was Rebels. It sorry. was Rebels. Sorry. Yeah. I want to get that right. My daughter loves that. Um, the thing too is Andrew Heckler is the director in this film, and let's mm-hmm. let's talk about him for a second. Yeah, first movie, first movie ever done. The last time we saw him in a film was Armageddon, and he played an extra at NASA. Woo! And yeah. now he's directing this film, and I think that that was maybe a misstep. I don't know how he gets this role. I don't know if it's his own money. Um, I like it's. It, is it Fox Searchlight? I'm trying to think of who did this film, but I think it's on the. It's one of one studios. Okay, so it's on the nose though. It's like. Wow, like, all right, are we past this yet? Are they like, trying are gonna... to get it shown in schools to sh- show it, the story it is. We We always say, you know, the after-school special. Uh, it, it is it's a campy. biopic. It is a biopic that... About burden. Yeah, and they do show yeah. the real people at the end, and... Does he look like Gary I Hedlund? I mean, it's a stranger than truth. He George does. Jefferson. Yeah, he, it's a stranger than truth movie. And in the new people, or maybe last week's people, they talk about the real story. How didn't that like somebody drive a truck into the thing? Oh, there's there's all sorts of horrible behavior, and and they do have the n word in there. It is to me, it's always hard to watch bigotry and hate. Yeah, on mm-hmm. both sides. I don't I don't like when. The own culture uses the N word. It's just a terrible word. It, it it gives me shudders. It's like Ugh. that's just not a good word, man. Like you do you, right. like go back to Orson Welles, right? Mm-hmm. Allude to it. Mm-hmm. You don't need to say it. You don't need to show it. You can allude to it, right? right? And they we just ha- I think it's just this once again. It's on the nose. And if I say this word, it's going to get so much more publicity. This film would have worked as an incredible cinematic documentary. I think they could have used the same characters. If you go back to Wormwood. Right. Look at Wormwood's documentary. Cinematic, okay. used incredible acting, and I think you could have done and built an incredible cinematic documentary and episodic about something that really happened in 1996, which is not that long ago. Nope. The Ku Klux Klan's like viability in South Carolina, you know, t- almost 20 years ago or a little over 20 years ago. This is something that, and, and it was actually 20 years ago when they did the film. So when you when you look at that perspective, I mean, you have such you have so much more of a stronger intent than to placate people that might have happened in 1996, where in a documentary you can talk about all the things that happened in this town. In this film, you got to kind of shorten it to show the hatred and to show the love and then the character interest and then... So I don't know. It is. It's just very pedestrian. It is. It's very pedestrian. I thought about this. This Andrew Heckler, 
He's an actor. He's got a lot of credits, like 130 credits for being small roles, nothing that you could really identify with. And it's like, what possessed him to write and direct this? <laughs> Why did you do that? And this? raise the money, like you said, because you do have to raise the money. And then he got this cast. I do think Andrea Riceborough is very good in it. Pretty to see. She is a British actress, yep. and she played Billie Jean King's lover in Battle no. of the Sexes. And mm-hmm. she's on a... TV show right now called Zero Zero Zero, where she's a gangster. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, that's the first time I've seen her in a role. I, I'm not a big TV guy, um, but I think Garrett. I, I think he always he's just incredible to watch too. This is a guy that can not only sing, but I think he's he's great in that role too. He really can play up that white supremacy. I, I think he, he's big. He's a he's a challenging looking guy. He's he definitely has that the the grittiness to him, which you saw in his other film that did really well was a mud um, mudbound mudbound, which mm-hmm. was an incredible film. Uh, um, Andrea Riceboro was in uh, Birdman. That's right. One and, of my favorite films I, and, of all and time. She, and she plays his girlfriend, and I think she does a real good job. And Usher Raymond the Fourth mm-hmm. when he does Usher, act, Usher, Usher. he's he's in it now. Garrett. Yes. Mm-hmm. He was in Friday Night Lights. Yes. 2004. Yeah. Everybody thought he was going to have this big career. He's one of those guys from Friday Night Lights that he hasn't done as well as they thought he was going to do. And I always feel for it because I'll watch his movies. Mm-hmm. And then most of the time he's not in these really good movies. And I feel like like he Pan, for instance, yeah. when he <laughs> was supposed to Pan. be... The oh. Indiana Jones type guy, and then it's a not a Flat. good not a good movie, and also, but Mudbound is a good movie. There was this uh, country Steven, strong. Did he do country? Yeah, strong? he did country yeah. strong. That was like my one of my worst films of that year, but he's good. He's always good, and he to, in this movie he's real gritty in terms of like I just wanted him to take a shower, and <laughs> uh, and it, you could see like all the sweat on everybody because it's a hot summer yeah. in south carolina and everybody's grimy and so he does and he does that walk and he does the whole uh that whole mumble thing that the guy mm. when you see the real guy at the end you're like oh garrett hudland's talking exactly like that guy did but there was this there was a steven soderberg show on hbo and it was for like a week every night for a week and it had sharon stone in it and i watched it thinking it was going to pay off and Garrett Hudlin was one of the char- was one of the big characters so it was like every night for t- maybe 10 I was it was the winter of 2000 I love all those people I love Sharon Stone yeah. I love God I and, wish she would do more I, and I, I don't know what happened but it was terrible at the end the last episode <laughs> my, my oldest son and I looked at each other and we go this is it this is what we've watched it was mosaic yeah mosaic. and it was it felt like longer, but it was only six episodes. Six episodes, okay, but a whole week. Because and PB Herman's, I mean Paul Rubens Love played him. Sharon Stone's best friend, and it was shot in Colorado. It was beautifully shot. I gotta watch this. Yeah, it's and and you were like, what happened? I love Paul Rubens. Oh, so it just Bo made Bridges. Me, yeah, it was just a terrific Allison cast. Tolman. Yeah. Terrific cast. So Garrett, of course, when I saw him, I go, oh, good. Finally, he's going to be in something good. And then, yeah. So the poor guy, maybe the agent. I don't know. But <laughs> he's fine here. She's fine. Tom Wilkinson is typical. 
you know, old it racist is. guy. Well, I mean, it is a very, it's, it's an old, it's, it's, I think you've, you've pointed to it earlier too. It's just a cliche mm-hmm. racist film. We're not, it's not like Selma. It's not doing anything that we don't already know. And I think that we've just beaten the whole racist word over the head the last couple years here that it's losing its effect on society. It's losing it. Like when you think just racist. mercy. We yeah. just had I just, like American I, History X was probably the best film ever done on racism. Like that was a great oh, conformity story where you Edward see a guy, oh. yeah, that changes his pitch. That that's what you're trying to get there. That's what you're trying to get out of this film, and it's just not there. The only reason why you you you, you depended yourself on the black families because you had nowhere else to go, and that that's kind of where for me it's like not only on the nose where I mean you can roll right into the banker too here where you have these. Yeah, yeah I was just gonna say that. That's like, what I talked about last week on KTRS. Yeah. The banker is so. False. I don't know what it is about about the racist cliches. Yeah. And then Ray Hartman was bringing up, well, don't you think there's still people like that in the world? Well, yes, there is. There are. We still have racists in 21st century. (laughs) You know, newsflash. Okay, so the banker is Apple Plus. It's Samuel L. Jackson being Samuel L. Jackson. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And it's Anthony (laughs) Mackie playing a real character who was a. Real estate whiz, commercial real estate whiz in L.A. He, they were both very successful, but they had to have a white guy as their front. Who is Nicholas? Is it's, it Holt? Yeah, it's Marvel yeah. characters. It's all three Marvel characters. Yeah, you're right. Nicholas Holt. It, yeah, and and, and uh, they uh, so they get into trouble when they decide to buy a bank, and uh, then they have federal regulations, and then they have all these racist people. Like they actually say "you people" in the movie. Mm. But when Anthony Mackie owns this apartment building, this little old lady goes and bitches to the cops that he's impersonating the owner. So these, like, yeah. straight out of in the heat of the night, mm-hmm. these two cops come up and they say to Anthony Mac- Mackie, I don't even, I don't know if they call him boy, but it was like they call him boy. And so he produces the document. Yeah. That shows that he owns the building. And they're sneering. They come up and they're sneering at him. And and he shows that he owns the building. And they go, oh, well, this looks legit. But it was like, are we past this? These stereotypical characters? Yeah. That's what just sinks this movie, I yeah. think. Yeah. Racism is not like this anymore. Racism does exist. I mean, institutionalized racism, I mean, we deal with that every day. Um, but... When you're doing films like this, you have back-to-back now where you're still creating this divide when there are so many movies that we could be doing that are showing the community and showing the the come together on these issues. And we're still trying to just, like, beat this dead horse of divide. Like, this is what we did and this is what we... And when you see this film, it's just like the acting is weak at best (laughs) just because you have guys that wear tights. You have guys that are superheroes, and I'm sorry. I, I go back to John Cusack. When you do that, you typecast yourself. I can't take you seriously, man. You're Iron Man's partner. You're, you know, and you're Cyclops. It's now, like hold on a second. Now, Anthony Mackie in the in the hate you give <laughs> is not. First of all, he's playing a villain in that, and he's not uh, the Falcon in that. That he has a range that he can do it. I think you're. I think you're not giving Anthony Mackie enough credit. And Samuel Jackson the same because you don't oh, see. Come on. You don't see Nick Fury every time. You didn't. Did you see? He's Nick, the same person in Capital One commercials. Now, but did you see? Did you see Nick Fury in Django Unchained? No. Uh, you, you did because he has. He did you see Nick Fury in Pulp Fiction? Yes. 
Absolutely. Okay. I, maybe With Jerry not. Curls. But <laughs> but 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 I I. I does Samuel Jackson have a range? I just don't think he does. I think that when Black he's in a Tarantino bone? film, do you see? I will never watch that film. Okay. Um, <laughs> I won't watch any of snakes in the title. Snake on a plane. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think that when you look at Samuel Jackson, I mean, as a character, I mean, he is incredible in Tarantino films. Okay. Like he is a Tarantino actor more yes. than anything, more than Nick Fury. He is a perfect guy for a Tarantino film, like hundred percent. And I'm not. I think that it's just the same. You're getting the same performance from him in every film. It's the high screaming. I mean, he's the same guy in Mrs. Marvel, Captain Marvel. Um, it's just that I don't know. And then Mackie, for me, he just always falls flat. He he just feels like a sitcom guy. Like I don't. I, I don't get anything from him. He doesn't embody anything for me. He doesn't move me at all. He's not like a Denzel at, at all. Like Denzel Washington moves me in films. Like when he played Malcolm X, like Denzel Washington was identical. When you watch old films on Malcolm X and you look at Denzel Washington's performance in that, it is sickeningly scary of how well he did in that, you know? Even Will Smith's portrayal of Muhammad Ali, I think, fell flat. But when you look at, is Mackie one of these leading guys? Yeah, I think he works best in an ensemble. And the part, the problem here is the part is this guy is such a straight arrow. He's boring. <laughs> he, uh, They don't dumb down. The one good thing about the movie is they don't dumb down the banking. They don't dumb down no. the talk about real estate and the wheeling and dealing. Because they figure you, they're, they think you're smart enough to get it. Right. But the script is, is so good. clunky. And it The costume just, sucks, too. The oh. costumes were over the top. It looked like they got them at a vintage like, <laughs> store. Now, the film is shot by... Um, oh, no, I'm wrong. I'm talking. Do you feel like you were in the 60s? No. No. I think that I think you guys said that in a couple episodes back. Yeah. Where the, the film never paid that off. Like, right. Yeah. It, 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 you can't. It, it, this needs to be a fishbowl. You need to build that set if you're going to be in the 60s. Mm-hmm. You need to do a lot with green screen if you're going to make that come to life. Like, yeah. It's or, tough. Or and, have and, a set and, designer and that so, knows how to. And the do they use the same card like three times? I thought they were in the <laughs> south. I thought they were in the south. Yes. Yeah, that didn't well, feel like Los Angeles. Like LA. Yeah, it didn't no. feel like L.A. at all. And what is I it, was like, like L.A. Confidential? I, that I, was yeah. like, put me right there. Mm. I kept thinking, this is L.A.? <laughs> this is, okay. It's probably shot in North Carolina. And so it just, yeah, it just falls flat. But anyway. No, it, it was it, shot in Atlanta. But it, of course But the thing is, it's on Apple Plus now. So if you're home and you want to watch it, <laughs> there you go. But this is not an Apple film, is it? Yeah. See, like, this it, is the thing was, I have a problem delayed. with. It was delayed from November. Yeah, I, I defer to uh, uh-huh. Jimmy Gervaisi when he what he said about Apple. Once again, we're trying to do these amazing films about like the variety of of you know distinguished people that we've had in our past and things we do. And then you're going to run a company that's going to do these terrible things and terrible acts like. Apple stuff so far they put out that they're this image of like you know wholesomeness and they're just not they are part of the problem um they're pissed off now because of what's happening in China sorry we have a pandemic sorry you can't get your screen we're closing every store except the ones in China exactly and they didn't produce this film they just bought the distribution oh, rights okay. okay that okay. makes I'm that so, makes more I'm sense sorry. to me like I'm sorry I'm wrong yeah. but it is it is the first major release of a movie on Apple on TV. Apple but it does, does, does I mean maybe I'm just like I don't know maybe because I'm in the industry like I just feel like we're doing these films to get nomination nods like then it wouldn't be released in March it would be <laughs> in November 
Well, the reason wait, they delayed wait, it no. in November was because one of the producers was accused of. Oh yeah, it was supposed oh, okay. to be released. It was Sexual supposed to be released harassment. in, in uh, November. And there it, it is. was. They've cut him out of the credits. And there it is. About uh, one of the sons of right. one of the bankers. Right. We were supposed to see this for award season. They were hawking it pretty heavy. Anthony yeah. Anthony Mackey's character's son was like trying to get this thing made. And then he, he got, uh, got troubled. Yeah. Yeah. So therefore, that's it. And How old is his son? I don't know. I can't remember. I, I, I'm not I familiar. Just, I, I don't remember so this at all. I think we all need to do one Marvel movie just to get the money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so the only other thing, and I apologize, I haven't watched it yet. Extraordinary. Did you watch it? I did not. It's my. I, it's the. It's the film that I'm most excited about that I have not seen. It has a 98 score on Rotten Tomatoes. The trailer is absolutely hilarious. I have a paranormal team in Missouri. I have a paranormal podcast in Missouri. I am so excited about this film because it looks complete hilarium. Now I know some critics have given it a rough ride, but the fact that Rotten Tomatoes is really appreciating the comedy in this film. I mean, 98%. It's funny. This film was funny. A friend of mine went yesterday to see it, and he was the only one in the theater. Well, that's because oh, when I when I saw the hunt, there were only twelve people there. Yeah, it's the pandemic. I know, uh, but I think Onward this is going to have a. Though, I think it's no. going to have a. a, a oh, because you life. got to see the Simpsons short, and we didn't. Yeah, I oh, think. Yeah, yeah uh, it was think, really dated, man. I mm. think uh, extraordinary is going to have a life in uh, streaming. But was it better than Onward? I loved Onward. Did you? But I do agree with you guys 100%. I was telling her before the show, somebody asked me at work if it was a Pixar film, and I said, no, it's not. But it is. But it is. And it Doesn't is not a Pixar. Like it is not a Pixar Does film. It does not feel like a Pixar film. And I'm a film. geek when it comes to, like, Lord of the Rings Stuff and like J.R. Tolkien. And I, like, you know, and the gelatinous cube, that. man, I was dead. I was dying. That you and find... his daughter is yeah. a big she's, fan. She's D&D. Yeah. Since her uh, robotics Season got canceled. She's going to have D and D sessions. This and how week. old is your daughter? Sixteen. So my daughter's eight, and she loved it. But she loves characters. She loves animals and like mythical creatures. Mm-hmm. So she and the color is Pixar. Pixar. Yeah, it's a really important film, though. I think it is an important film. I think there is an important story there about losing a father and not having a father. Yeah, and, and I the think brothers. they did that justice. Yes, yes. I think that that's an important story. But I don't. I didn't want to get off topic. But I. I that's all right. Wanted to chime in. That's all right. We need to. All right. Let's let's bring this all full circle now. Um, Nicholas Holt is dating. Uh, he's dating Emma Roberts. So that brings it all. Oh wow. Okay. No, and wait, there was another was, one. Was, was it Emma Holt? Now see. Now I'm now I'm lost again. Well, he was with J Lo or J Law J Law during the X Men movies. Well. The thing is about uh, the movies that we've seen, mostly indies, because that's what's coming out now, mm-hmm. and then the big releases that we're going oh, to- Oh, I'm sorry. I, Garrett Hedlund is dating Emma. Emma that's Emma, what I thought. Emma oh, Roberts. Yeah. Okay. Well, and lucky her. <laughs> and, 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 and Garrett Hedlund was good in Tron. Legacy. He's incredible in Tron. They're making a roller coaster. And I like. I'm one of the few people that like Triple Frontier, and he was fine in Triple Frontier. I love him in anything with Ben Affleck, (laughs) and he was also. um, I did not like the version of On the Road, but that wasn't his fault. Kristen so Stewart's good in that too. I think Kristen he has the Stewart's same, good yeah. in that. I think he has the same agent as Annette Benning. <laughs> he was. I know. Or Emma Roberts. Why isn't Emma Roberts a bigger star? 
No, she should be. Hang oh, on. he was in Billy Long, the halftime uh, walk. Oh, that was so awful. They didn't even. Sorry, Angley. Just sat there, and they didn't even release. You know, it. as a self-funding like filmmaker, I am offended that these films get budgets. <laughs> but oh, it was well, Angley. Yeah, I know, and I love him too. But and I it has this huge cast. All and right, he was let's... in Inside Llewellyn Davis, Ugh. which. <laughs> My son Tim. There's only one good scene in that. But anyway, he's, I'm just, I'm I give you saying, one minute. <laughs> pay attention to Garrett, and uh, hopefully he'll be the better. And Emma Roberts. Adam Driver and, and no wait, the Adam Driver and Justin Timberlake scene with Oscar Isaac in uh, Inside Lewin Davis is the only thing you need to see in that movie. <laughs> The rest I will of say it, is it has crap. grown on me. I didn't like it at really? first at all. I still hate it. But but my son Tim <laughs> loved it so much that I watched it a couple more times, and it has grown on me. And then watching the music part of it and everything, I still don't like. I mean, I still am not going to give it a positive a, review. Yeah, positive. But it has grown. I think sometimes. But that song. Films are ahead that of their song time. is good. That, that song, song is good. great. There is a see any bad movie can have something great in it. There's silver linings, man. Mm-hmm. You, you, yeah, there's, <laughs> look there's for the little, positive. There's little parts. And speaking of, uh, let's just run down what's been delayed so that we know yeah. because we're not uh, next week. We're just going to have indie links. I have an Amazon link to watch. Blow the man down. So, Quiet Place Part Two is no longer opening March 20th. Mulan is no longer opening March 27th. The Lovebirds, no for April 3rd. The New Mutants. Uh, see, I even no. just saw a trailer for Lovebirds the other day. Yeah. No, April 3rd, Peter Rabbit 2 for Easter. So they were going to have it out for Easter. Now they're going to release it in, in like October. August 7th. Oh, August. You the can, Dreads ugh. of August. That's my daughter not loves good. Peter Rabbit. Oh, my God. You know, is that is that Ewan McGregor or is that Domino Gleason? That's, I didn't I see the first McGregor. one. Okay, yeah, I think yeah. it's McGregor. But I'm people sorry. love the first one. Oh God, it's incredible. Oh, uh, uh, Domino's in the the Pooh one. Yeah, the Winnie the Pooh, not and Antlers, <laughs> the April seventeenth, and Fast and Furious Nine. That's got a huge push. That's a re-edit. A year. That's a re-edit. I can guarantee you, I would put money on that. They don't like the way that film came out. They're re-editing it. They're using this. Or maybe they want to put the rock in it. And yeah, Carl and Max are defiant. Nope, in not watching any of. They're terrible until they hit. They are. Oh, the one where they had. We will watch all nine of them before ten comes out. I watched. I love Paul Walker. I was, I was obsessed with Paul Walker. I Paul Walker's the reason why I'm into cars right now because he was actually a car guy, unlike Vin Diesel, which I have a huge problem with Fast and Furious ever since he said double clutch on a straightaway run. You never double clutch <laughs> on a straightaway run, ever. And when he says that in that film, I'm like, Which I cannot one was watch that? this anymore. That was the second one. Might have been no, the first he's not. One, he's not in second. It I might have been know. the first one. I yeah, have, it is. I think it's the first uh, one when I, they do I that first straightaway. Oh, I have that watched them strip. not in order though, but the last couple ones. But the one where they say goodbye to Paul Walker, I did cry at that because yeah. I am. Which one's that? Eight. But no, the one six. where they have the Charlie's <laughs> Charlie's dear God in heaven that was horrible, and then the Michelle one Rodriguez, where they though, have the oh I know they have the cars go to the other building. I was like, I'm done. She can marry me, Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, my okay. God. Let's talk about a film that was pushed off because of the coronavirus made by Frankie. Yes. Thank you. You're yeah. welcome. 
Yeah, this Let's is our. This is this. this is my what f- we were supposed to talk about with you today. Sorry, no, I, no, it's no, fine. Yeah. You, no. We want to talk I about. I love it. your opinions. You guys uh, are fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I do <laughs> enjoy your company. Okay, this movie is called Lemp's Last Right. That's correct. And it is a documentary mm-hmm. about one of the Lemp family, and let's you explain it and why did you pick and it's. Right, this, W-R-I-G-H-T. Right. Correct. And why did you pick this topic to make as a film? It's it's an interesting um, it's an interesting dynamic of what actually happened. We sought out to do a film to debunk um, the legend of Lemp in St. Louis, the the ghost, the suicide. That's what they're reduced to, and that's and that is the immortal it's words. A, it's a hor- It's a uh, haunted house now. Yeah, exactly. And I think Davison Mogart, um, who is an Edwin Lemp historian, who is. And Stephen Walker. I think both those guys really gave us enough knowledge to understand what happened. Because Stephen Walker's book is really not about ghosts. It's about the history of Lemp. And it's done in a, in a bite-sized way where you can basically get the entire history of the Lemp. For us, it was diving deep into one of the characters, exploring all the suicides and seeing which one would be something that would make something a ghost, right? So, like, my, my paranormal team, which is Graveyard Shift, we have our own podcast and everything, is more of a debunking team. It's what we do. We'll find the trash panda in the attic before we'll decide it's a poltergeist. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what our mission is. You're being, like... Houdini was. Yes. Yes. Which I'll get into another film that, that I'm looking at doing on <laughs> okay. Pearl Curran. Um, so this film, I think we've talked a lot about this today, too. It's a good setup. I don't believe documentaries should be over 60 minutes unless you're going episodic. Mm-hmm. So to get a five-year film that we made, it took us five years to make this film. We got it to 57 minutes. And the reason why we kept it so tight well, was— Well, how long was your first cut? First cut was about 140. Okay. You cut out almost an hour. Yeah. Okay. And because we didn't... Let's, let's, let's say 45. You cut out 45 minutes. Yeah. You cut out an episode of television. I did. Okay. I did, and I kept it to one a, a miniseries, a two-part on PBS, just to, just to really get the distribution right. I, I think that it'll get some looks from Netflix and Hulu. I think it's a good true crime story. Mm-hmm. When you look at Elsa Lemp, who is the baby of the family, this is the, this is the, the second suicide of the family, alleged suicide of the family, uh, and there would be two more after this. Billy would kill himself two years later on December 29th, and then 20 Seven years later, Charles Lemp, the, uh, the fifth brother, would kill himself on, in 1949 on May 10th. And so together, the wholesome crew of four people in the immediate family would commit suicide. Now, Elsa is the only one that does not commit suicide in the Lemp mansion. She commits suicide in the, in the Central West End on Hortense Place at 13 Hortense Place. And that's really— 13 Hortense Place? 13 Hortense Place. Oh, okay. And 13 of would haunt her. Thirteen would haunt her. It would haunt my crew. It would haunt everything. On, on Friday, March 13th, we had to postpone our film. Mm-hmm. It, it it haunts us. I usually wear the thirteen ring. Uh, my favorite quarterback was Dan Marino, number thirteen. So mm-hmm. thirteen, if you believe Kurt in numerology, Warner. Kurt yeah. Warner, mm-hmm. and actually the Irwin brothers, who we talked about earlier, is doing that documentary. Oh, good. So they're doing the story of Kurt yes, Warner. Yes, I I did. We actually yeah. we actually talked about that, and we were afraid how preachy that would be. It's going to be preachy. I know. It's going to come. But from... that, but Kurt's preachy. He is, but, but he is incredible. He is. He that's, is. It's, he that is, is a great story, but he is a man of faith. Yeah. So uh, it, it's perfect sense that he would allow them to do that. Yes, and absolutely. everything that went into his life, um, he, you know, he says is spiritual. Yeah, no, that's true. This film, not so spiritual. The <laughs> Lemp family, to, to our credits, everything that we've been able to research. Now, five years of digging in the archives, um, we had Amanda Ball Clark, who is this 
exceptional female historian in this town. I love her tours. She does a, she does a, gives a tour on cholera. She was recently basically acquired. Renegade STL was acquired um, by the Missouri History Museum. So oh. to have Amanda Ball Clark in my film alongside Nene Harris, who is a St. Louis historian, mm-hmm. to tell the story of not only St. Louis, but... Elsa Lemp Wright. So the one thing that, that that I wanted to do and focus on my film was to really focus on empowerment of females because we were releasing this film in March, which was Women's History Month. Women's History Month. And so we really wanted to really focus on that. And that is what one of her tours is Badass Babes. And so to have her come on board and talk about Elsa's life and not me talk about it. I did not want a guy who basically I'm the Lemp, Elsa Lemp historian and you do get messages from me in the film. But I become more of a fact setter upper. I'm not really a person that's actually talking through it. I mention stuff about Elsa. I mention stuff about the. But I wanted a woman to tell Elsa's story, and so Amanda Ball Clark is this person that basically comes through with Nene Harris, helping us with the with the St. Louis history of this dynamic set of what happens to Elsa on that fateful day, March twentieth, nineteen twenty. Thomas H. Wright, and that's W R G H T, is the reason why the film is called Last Lemp's Last Wright, and that actually was that would titled, be her husband. That would be her husband. Yes, um, it would be her husband twice. She oh. would, she would marry him for ten years. She would get divorced. She would remarry him, and then she'd be dead twelve days later. Ooh. It lends itself to a, in, in Amanda's words, it lends itself to a true crime story. When we started researching this stuff, when rich we started, people would find that if you if they wanted to find the answer to that, the rich people would have. Yes. This is this would have been a Dateline. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, we set it up for Dateline. It's sixty minutes. I mean, it's it, we set it up for sixty minutes. Yeah. I mean, but sixty minutes would have only been thirteen minutes long. <laughs> That's right. Because we have to hear from everybody. Right. <laughs> but when you look at it from from the from the press gathering of the documents that we were able to get, which was just crazy, the police department told us that they didn't have the police report. Well, we have it. Right. The coroner, the, the, the coroner's office said, well, we don't have those things, and we have it. Right. The doctor's report says, well, our history doesn't go back to M.B. Clapton. Yeah, we have it. Mm-hmm. So when wow. you look at this film— Thoroughly researched. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to, though. You have to—I'm a Michael Moore fan. Mm-hmm. But I think at times he becomes very— About uh, Michael Moore? Yeah. And anytime you have that, that journey, right, the journeyman mm-hmm. documentary, is the film about you— no. Or is the film about? Do so, you need to lay the guns at uh, Charlton Heston's home at the end no. of that movie? You do not. No. That ruins a perfect, well, not a perfect film. It ruins a very good film with adding more of you into that. Exactly. It was unnecessary, and it it tarnishes the end of that film. That's funny you say that because actually a writer from St. Louis Magazine said the same exact thing to me. He probably heard that from me because I've been saying that for years. Yeah, when, when, <laughs> well, it's true though. When it came out, I said that that movie is ruined by that scene yeah. that he added at the end. There are over thirty-five discrepancies in her death. Um, that at some point it's just not coincidence anymore. Some at some point that if this was a suicide, they messed up so much that they made it look like a murder. Me and my friend Jeremy David King were the ones that really kind of put the legwork into the researching, and then I lended it itself to getting young filmmakers inside of St. Louis, like Leo B. Ramsey, who edited the film with mm-hmm. me, like Miles Menard from Webster University. These kids did this stuff for free, and they just wanted to be a part of this film. So Miles Menard... And they wanted a preview. <laughs> and they wanted, they wanted they a wanted, Mom, here's my film. Exactly. And so Miles does all the DP work for the reenactments, and I did the DP work for the for the interviews and stuff. But That's having, very Dateline of you. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, too, I think these kids get molded when they, when they, get, they graduate 
from college Mm -hmm. and then they get molded into a line producer or they're doing some running on the sets and 10 years later like andrew heckler you're able to direct a film and at that point you're losing you're losing what their passion was in and so what i'm doing is i'm looking at these kids reels and i'm like i want you on my next film when Miles finally graduates, we're going to negotiate with him another film that we're doing, which is a horror film called Pooldor, and we want him to DP it too. This kid is an up-and-comer. Uh, we used a bunch of kids from Webster to do this film and another film. I just think that the youth here in St. Louis and the creative institutions like the Websters, like Lindenwood, are putting out some amazing talent that we're losing. We're not keeping them here. And there's so many film companies here that could be just utilizing them and hiring them immediately and just giving them a chance with a camera. And I think that in this film, you're going to see that. You're going to see beautiful scenes that are shot by 22-year-old kids, mm-hmm. essentially, students that are with professionals like myself, and we're teaching each other and we're learning from each other. You had basically interns. You you were yeah. giving them on-site training. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ethan, Ethan Camby is another one who was my lighting designer. And this is a kid that um, is probably the most spirited young man I've ever met in my life. He worked on Cringe with us. And he just understands lighting just like Miles, these kids. And to be a good cinematographer, you have to know light. Yes. And once I saw their lighting skills, when you watch Cringe, you're going to be like, this film is shot beautifully. People love the coloring in it. And it's because of them. It's because of the the students in our community that are learning this stuff at our universities, at our institutions. And so that is what this entire film encompasses. The the name of the film, right, Lemp's Last Right, is by our music director, who's one of the biggest female musicians. Why didn't you name it this? Yeah, she's like, you need to name it Lemp's Last Right, because you're not only... You're not only giving Elsa her last right, but you're giving the family a last right. You get a lot of these guys from the historians saying they're reduced to ghost, and mm-hmm. it's not fair. Right? They did so much for this city, and it's just not fair. And so you get that. Beer. There's, a, there's an underlying subplot beer. there. Yeah. It's, it's beer in that, right? But Edwin, we don't have a zoo without Edwin. We don't have all these different things. And so we mention these things throughout the film. And there is some big people in this film. There's and, and, and this It's because was, they didn't live. The Bushes lived. Ex- exactly. Exactly. And that point is made. I mean, I think Stephen Walker makes one of the best quotes in the film. He said, had Frederick Lemp lived, you would be watching Cardinals baseball at Lemp Stadium. And I think that's very true. I think that you did have a legacy there. And not, nothing against Budweiser. I think Budweiser's you know, an incredible beer. It did a lot for St. Louis when it was allowed to. And then, and then, and then, when, it, and, when it had ownership here. When it had ownership, when it had a generation that cared about what the product it was sending out. Uh, the Bushes are mentioned in this family. They, we draw a very stiff correlation. They were. That's what I'm curious to ask you about. Did you watch the show that was on the other day? The, the, the uh, reality show? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. What's this, it on? This is going to destroy the legacy of that family. Probably. Uh, but then there's, they're, also making, uh, it, it they're also making a movie about the book. So, oh, I have that book, Bitter Brew. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so it's it's not going to help. Well, them. St. Louis was a St. Louis Brew uh, was so St. Louis Brew lined up. They they raised like twenty thousand dollars. I think Bill Streeter was doing a film. It's like twenty thousand dollars. They they funded. They started this a year before Lemp's Last Right, and mm-hmm. I don't know where that film is, but we did watch it. We watched some clips of it at Sliff, and I thought that that film was going to be really incredible. Talk just about beer. It wasn't Bitter Brew. But Bitter Brew has the potential to be an incredible oh, film. Right. If it's done right. Right. My mom worked at the brewery for 25 years. And okay. uh, she was at You the, can't swing a dead cat if anybody worked at the brewery. Right. But Gussie, she just loved that guy so much. They loved and, Gussie. Oh, my God. And then Augie, not necessarily. No, Three yeah. Sticks, as and then, she used to call him. And, yeah, yeah. And then... Tri- triple sticks. 
Triple sticks, and then uh, four, and they they just na- they didn't call them by their names; they just called them by their numbers. Four is just a sad story. That's going to be another book, story, movie someday. See, I th- we uh, do breach a very controversial subject, drawing a correlation to Elthas' death and some of the Bush deaths that occurred. Mm. Um, so I know this is going to bring a lot of press to it, and we're 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 waiting for. You're it. okay we're, with that? We're excited about it. I mean, I think that it needs well, to sure. be told. Tack, tack, I mean, but I'm sure you've had lawyers vet the film, so nope. <laughs> well, you should probably not say that out loud. Yeah, we did. We have a First Amendment. We have a First Amendment lawyer that basically said if it's published, if it's there and people can see it, and you're showing it, it's not. You just got. You are not. You are not make, staking claims. You're repeating facts. Repeating fact. Documented facts. And it's also documented fact from the police officers that work the scene. Okay. So, like, it's not nothing that we say in the film. You're not speculating. No. You have, nothing is assumption. Everything's re- been published. You're reporting. You're right. Okay. It's a real See, document. The ultimate defense is the truth. Yes. Yeah, ex- well, exactly. I mean, there's nothing really that, did that happen? Yes. <laughs> you draw a correlation, but you have to set it up because people want to understand, has this ever happened in St. Louis? Well, then you have like a 35-year-old retired homicide police detective saying, the rich run the police. What are you talking about? We're the lowest form of government. Mm. We do what we're told. He goes into John Doherty. I mean, the film is very epic in the sense of very St. Louis. All the music is done by female musicians in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. This is something a mother stutter is somebody that's really becoming something in, in St. Louis. Uh, Madison Wizard Price is the music director. We used uh, Mrs. Jubilee for oh. the opening credits. Oh. So and we have a couple other ones I can't name yet because they're still getting, getting right with their labels. But we really try to focus on women empowerment in the film for March. Unfortunately, we've been put off till April 23rd. But I, I don't think that that's really going to... We've only had five cancellations on our tickets. So that really made us uh, humbled that people really want to support the film and come out and support the film. But and it is definitely has some, for 60 minutes, it's a roller coaster ride. You, you go from having this beautiful opening documentary about somebody's life, and then the minute that that arc happens, it's where shift films, where we get our name. You're going to see a shift in this film, and people are going to be like, there's no way this happened. But then you're going to see document, document, document after one another. It's going to be a fun, exciting film. I know people are going to hate it. You have to just <laughs> anticipate that because they're going to want to see more paranormal stuff. They're going to want to see more ghost stuff. And I'm just not I'm not lending my films to that. I think it, it destroys the history that, that both Nini and Amanda will tell you. They, Amanda doesn't even like true crime. She does it because it's part of it. It's part of what's it's hot history. right now. It's history. Well, I, I think it's good to to uh, do a flip side, and I uh, was just in the Cherokee Lemp District the other night, and hooking. I, I love. <laughs> no, you were not hooking. <laughs> Jesus. Well, she lives. She lives in Seward now. I so. live in Seward, but no, I was I actually. Oh so. uh, well, there you go. Yeah. I was actually at one of my favorite food places, Louisiana Chicken and Fish. You should support them. They're right across the street from the old foam, which closed. And these people are wonderful. It's a couple, and they're just so nice and pleasant. And uh, yeah. I'm doing some food stories, so I wanted to hit that up. But place no. is great, and I really hate that foam closed, and I hate the condition that foam closed under. I think that they were a great spot for young musicians, like the ones in that are using that we're using in our film. I think that that was a that was a heartland spot for them. It really was. I mean, this was a place for traveling musicians that played, and that's just a whole story in and of itself. But I do think that when you go by in the daytime, when you go by the Lump uh, Complex and everything, there's you just feel that there's stories there. Yeah. 
Well, and I did go on a haunted uh, uh, trip there did you? when my my in youngest Savannah, son Georgia, was like here? in junior high. We went. Oh, you did here? Did yeah. you do Betsy store Bollinger? Uh, in the house, you did the dark night. That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago, but I know Betsy. Anyway, <laughs> um, she, uh, so we went in, down into the catacombs or whatever, and it was so moldy and so, but 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 that that's could, that's the idea. Yeah, they I don't know. do that anymore though. No, but it was so creepy. It's black mold now. Yeah, yeah, I was like, it was so creepy, <laughs> and, and you had to wait in these really long. There. Bless you, we had to wait in these really long lines, and they were playing this eerie music that really got on your nerves after all because it was a repeat, you know. Ugh. And then they had the pictures of the family and the story about the suicides, and and it is, it's a it's a commercial, it's a salacious thing. Tale. And then a friend of mine just stayed there a couple weeks ago. She and her daughter and her daughter's friends, you rent it out the staff leaves Mm -hmm. and you're there right you can spend the night with supposedly the ghosts Uh uh-huh well there might be a ghost there i mean let me tell you something a couple guys on my team have experienced stuff in the lent mansion when we were filming in the lent mansion little dick pointer comes upstairs and says hey frankie how's everything going everything good because usually the batteries die and then i'm like no we have no problems the minute dick pointer leaves all our batteries go to hell and we could not get our batteries to charge fast enough. They would last 15 minutes. It's like he turned them on. And so we've had some weird, we've had disembodied voices he inside did it our on purpose. He did. Oh, let me, oh, the ghosts aren't here. Let me wake them up for you. Oh, wait, we're filming. Oh. No, um, I, I have had a friends that tell, uh, told me about encounters yeah. there. But, we're actually going to be there for their trivia night, uh, for Elsa Lump's trivia night, which is oh. March 20th, the anniversary of her death. We have a table. So I don't think anybody's going to beat us that night. But if they do, I'd really feel bad. Good for <laughs> them. this down here. All right. But no, so your movie's going to be at the Chase Park Plaza. Yeah, April 23rd. And uh, we will be putting, uh, I'm doing an article with, I just Frankie. I'm sorry. All of a sudden, I'm doing an article about Frankie in this movie. So we will have all that information about the tickets and everything in my article. And on poplifestl.com, That's Lynn's where website. we post the podcast, mm-hmm. we will have information about the film. So you can follow. You can go to my website and we'll have lots of stuff. And I'm so excited that you're involved in things. And do you think you're going to be submitting? I mean, this has wider national potential but are you going to be submitting anything to the st louis filmmaker showcase this summer absolutely we have cringe is in sliff right now mm-hmm. we love the cinema arts um we have our own film festival which for some strange reason there was some kind of entanglement with communication where we were trying to compete with them and 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 it since has been dissipated that like we support sliff 100 and that, in fact we changed our film festival to be a feedback film festival for young students so it's going to be a student-only film festival next year um, it's the first year we'll be doing that. It's called the Feedback Film Festival, and it's just for students. It's just to get their opinion, get our opinion from filmmakers in St. Louis and in other states as well that we have connections in to look at their films, review them, and then give them stuff. So anything that Slift does, we support. That's an Oscar That's an Oscar um, certified c- contest. Right. So is, sure. the, is our film worth um, Oscar contention? I mean, to be honest with you, I think the Oscars right now are looking for more... They want uh, old people and, uh, ho- and Holocaust stuff. Holocaust, well, it's very any, international, and it's yeah. very depressing. They want depressing, so and they want racist, and they want... Yes, but true crime is what's selling currently. I know. And, and that's you, what we're, ho- we're hoping to get in true-false. I know, that's what I was going to say. Are you going to try for true-false? I'm going for true-false. True-false oh, and awesome. AFI are my two big ones. If Good. you win at true-false or AFI, I think you're going to get distribution. What about Sundance? I will not enter Sundance. Okay. It's hard. It's he tough. He hates Robert Redford. Well, I think I think that Sundance is is the Coachella of film. 
<laughs> it has it has gotten that in the early days. Like, it I was so awesome, but yeah, I it was admit, in the early days. It, yes. it outgrew when I itself. Went there at, uh, yeah, in 2011. It's yeah. so commercial now, and I did see that aspect of it. it. It's just parties, and it's not the yeah. It's and the things that they're premiering there are terrible. Like that film that we talked about was premiered there. They premiered that Disney Channel film, which is terrible. Like they're not putting which like, one the, Descendants. Was Descendants a Sundance film? No, I have no oh, idea. Okay. Which Disney film? It was the one that just came out. It's it's uh, with the oh man, God, I should know the name of it. I'm bashing it. I but know that's they, okay. They they've had a lot. Um, just crap. Like I know, <laughs> and they start coming out at the you know they and start trickling what, yeah. out, and then they're not that good. But as somebody who saw that happen, I I will say I agree right. with him. I do think there is uh, uh, Amazon apparently. Has and I need to look into this. Has uh, is is exposing uh, young filmmakers to their audience in certain mm-hmm. things. I was a, ju- a judge at the Memphis Film Prize, and uh, many of the filmmakers were telling me about the opportunity with Amazon to show your stuff, which is good because that's a, it's all about showing. Yeah, but are your they going to get paid? Yeah, well, well this, everyone needs content now. Right, right. true and, crime is hot. I mean, like yes, our little podcast that we started in July. On the Lost Boys of Hannibal, it happened in 1967. It has 13 episodes and over 18,000 downloads. That's good. That so is it's, wonderful. It's it's insane. Like they will they will just bite if it's if it's if it's true crime. The problem is is that what happens when you just basically bottleneck it. Mm-hmm. And I think you're starting to see like these shows well, on Netflix now, are falling. Now because uh, people they're no one's they need content right yeah. now and people are stuck at home right. and so they're going to be listening and watching to things but i think yeah. st louis has an incredible rich history oh and needs to be explored mm-hmm. and i applaud you for doing that thank you and uh, we have and, to vacate the studio so okay, let's so we let's better hurry up okay so <laughs> let's thank frankie for coming thank, in Fra- <laughs> thank you frankie for coming in and thank uh, you for having me it's okay. just end up um we'll do we'll do a critique on mine and how bad, like, I get, like, a 35 on Rotten Tomatoes or something. <laughs> and then I'll speak. It's going to be Mackie and Samuel L. Jackson that comment on my film. <laughs> oh. Frankie Campbelletta. Campbell? How okay. well, Campbelletta. Now, That's right. now Frankie that, um... Campbelletta. You can find him on shiftfilms.net. Yes. And you can find out all this stuff. Lynn, where can they find you on socials? Uh Saint, uh, we have poplifestl.com, the Times newspapers, Webster, Kirkwood Times, South County Times, and West End Word. And I am on KTRS every Thursday night with Ray Hartman, usually in the 10 o'clock hour. And the other night, I thought I was going to be on a 1030 because we had a bonus episode this week because of our Basketball. Mm-hmm. I yeah. was I was on a 1015, so I missed part of my show. But anyway, I mean, I was... We taped ahead of time. That's what I mean. Like That's okay. I, I wouldn't miss. The why show. are you? Why are you giving away the smoke and mirrors? I know. Sorry Stop about that. ruining the magic make, of radio. Just, just make sure that you eat local right now. Support local businesses oh, yes, right I'm now all about, because they I'm need all to. About they need, local business and Chinese restaurants as well. And China, yeah. Go, go ahead and check out Lefties. Those are my friends over there on Jefferson. Incredible Chinese food just mm-hmm. opened up. Um, well, my name is Carl Middleman. You can find me at underscore Carl the intern at. Uh, Instagram and Twitter. And Frankie, what are you on socially? Um, yes, if you want to follow my my rants, you have to go to Freeway Frankie. It's Frankie with an I. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also go to see no, more. Of my, I I with no e. I with no e. Correct. So it's Freeway Frankie. Um, it has some of my car stuff on there. We we own a fleet of cars for our films. Um, but also, if you want to follow my film, it's Cambotography. So it's C A M B O, photography. 
Ah. So that's all my film stuff. You can see some of my shots that I've made, some of my lighting choices on some of the films. And then uh, Cringe Film STL on Instagram as well, if you want to start following that. That film has seven now laurels from seven different festivals. Ooh. Jason Clayfish is up for two screenwriting awards. Um, yeah, so it's 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 a fun time to be a filmmaker in St. Louis. I think our industry is about to blow up, especially with our Oscar-nominated film this year that came out of St. Louis, which was fun. Yeah, here, love. That's right. St. Louis Connection. All right, Lynn, say goodbye to everybody. Bye-bye.